0: Yeah, so uh, just as a reminder, if you haven't been here, we've been this semester going through the parables of Jesus in RUF, and uh, Jesus frequently used parables, stories, to communicate profound truths, and uh, they're just really cool because they're simple stories, and you can just, there's layers to them, and there's great uh, encouragement and challenge in them, and... Uh, the gospel really shines forth the good news about Jesus in these parables. And we're coming to one tonight that I'm really excited about uh, that's often known as the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And it's from Luke 18. So I'll read it for us and then uh, spend a little time examining it. So uh, this is uh, Luke 18, uh, starting in verse 9. It says, Jesus also told this parable But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. There's a lot there. Let me pray for us uh, before we begin to look at it. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that you give us, uh, the life that's found in your word. And we pray that you send us your spirit to make sense of it for us, to apply it to our hearts, uh, to change us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so we've looked at a lot of parables so far this semester. And it's interesting when it comes to a parable in the Bible, because sometimes uh, there will be like a situation going on and Jesus will tell a parable about that situation uh, to communicate some message to the people around. And sometimes, like in the case of this parable, it'll say exactly why Jesus tells the parable. And so it's really neat because it says very clearly, it says, uh, Jesus told the parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Uh, You know, what is someone who treats someone with contempt? He's a jerk. They're a jerk. It's a parable about how not to be a jerk. Like, there's no clearer. Like, if you want to know how not to be a jerk from God himself, like, this is the parable. It's so applicable uh, to us, right? Because isn't that the problem today is that no one can get along? And isn't that the problem with our hearts that we tend to uh, judge others and think negatively of others and be impatient with others? And uh, so we have this parable... Uh, from Jesus that address there's a crowd following Jesus and he's and he's noticing things about this crowd all different types of people but this tendency uh, to treat others with contempt Uh, so we're talking about people that are critical Uh, these are people that struggle to love Uh, they love only themselves Uh, these are people who struggle with friendship because uh, the way they treat people prevents true friendship uh These are people that cannot truly help people. And if we're honest, it's us. Uh, This is a parable for us who struggle to love, uh, who struggle with selfishness. And what we get out of the parable is that everything goes wrong when we look within for righteousness. In other words, when we look to ourselves to matter. And so I just want to look at the parable in that way. I want to look at what is righteousness, first of all, and then I want to look at the wrong way to get it and the right way to get it. So first of all, I want to look at what is righteousness, because this is a parable talking about righteousness. And uh, so we should know what it is. And what righteousness is, is it's based on the word right. uh, And it's what we want more than anything. Uh, whether you're religious, non religious, I want to suggest to you that it's what we want more than anything. And to show you, I'm going to give you a scenario, okay? Imagine this scenario. It's Saturday, May 7th, 2022. You're sitting on a beach totally relaxed because that is the day that finals are over. You finished your exams. You worked really hard. You got a 4.0 this year. You've got an internship lined up. Your future is seeming really secure. Uh, You've used your time well. Everything is in balance. You feel good. You're healthy. You're calm. You're physically fit. You're eating right. You've achieved everything you ever wanted to achieve up to this moment. Uh, There are people that want to be your friends. There are people that want to date you. Uh, You're living a good life. Everything just looks good, and there's nothing that anyone could criticize about your life. Okay. Sounds nice, right? Uh, Righteousness is that, but on a cosmic, eternal scale. Uh, It's that, but with relation to God for eternity. You know, wouldn't that be great? uh, To be like that in relation to God himself, the one who made you in all the universe. Um, Don't we all long for righteousness, to be judged, but and, but have someone say, you are legit. I can find no flaws in you. You're good to go forever. We want it so bad. Uh, that's why it really hurts when our flaws get exposed, when people see things that we don't want them to see. Uh, it's why we become defensive when these things are threatened, you know, like, uh, the good things are threatened. It's why we want people to notice all our good parts while, while we show off, while we put forth our good parts. And we really try for people not to notice our bad parts because we know there are bad parts. We just don't want people to see them, okay? So that's righteousness. Uh, it's what we want more than anything. It's eternal security. It's a judgment on you that says you're legit no flaws. You're set. You're okay. You're good to go. Uh, And so I want to look now at the wrong way to get it and the right way to get it. So first of all, the wrong way to get it. And Jesus tells this parable uh, where there's two men that go up to the temple in Jerusalem to pray. And it's a Pharisee and a tax collector. And he uses them as just like obvious examples of, you know, one is a really, really good looking religious guy. And the other one is a guy that everyone considered scum in that time. Uh, so the pharisee is the religious guy and the tax collector people just like in that time if you were a tax collector in israel jewish people were just like this guy is scum he's a cheater he's a liar he's a traitor we all know this okay so and they each pray so these two contrasting characters pray and the pharisee prays like this he says god i thank you that i'm not like other men extortioners unjust adulterers or even like this tax collector Uh, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. Uh, What do you notice about his prayer? Uh, His prayer, which is supposedly a prayer of thankfulness, is actually a brag, right? He's like bragging. He's using the opportunity to thank God as an opportunity to brag to God. His prayer is full of comparison. He has to compare himself uh, to the man that's next to him. Uh, He seems to know in his prayer that he's better than everyone around him. Uh, He certainly looks better. I mean, he's a Pharisee. Pharisees were very well-respected, good people at the time. And he says in his prayer, he fasts twice a week. Uh, And he tithes up everything. Uh, In in that time, uh, the Israelites, they were required to fast one day a year. It's called Yom Kippur. It continues today. And uh, so he's saying, you know, like, one day I fast twice a week. I fast 104 days a year. How's that for serious about getting things right? Um, You know, I tithe everything that I get. Uh, Pharisees in that time were notorious for like, you know, God's people were required to give a tithe of all they get, like mainly thinking about their income, like 10% of their income would go to the Lord. And Pharisees were people that would be like, you know, I bought a basil plant at Trader Joe's the other day, and I've got it on my windowsill, and it produced 10 new leaves. And so I'm going to take one of the leaves, a basil leaf, and I'm going to bring that to the temple, too, because I tithe everything that I get. You know, I'm not going to let anything slip by, which is, like, there wasn't the point of that. Uh, but that's what Pharisees tended to be like in that time. And so he's saying, I do that. I, I mean, I tithe everything that I get. And his righteousness is all external. It's all just stuff he does, and he can show it off, and that's what he does. Uh, He shows off just like, these are the things I do that everyone can see. But his prayer shows that he doesn't have any relationship with God, actually. Uh, He doesn't relate to God as one who loves him and whom he loves. Uh, I've been married for almost 10 years now. My wife is Maggie. If you haven't met her, you really need to because she's amazing. And uh, so we've been married 10 years. I want you to imagine that I went up to Maggie tonight after I got home and I said, Maggie... I'm so glad I'm not like those other husbands that don't listen, they don't do the dishes, they don't help out with the household chores. I do the dishes every day. I always make time to hear about what's going on with you, and I do extra chores too. What do you think that would indicate about our relationship? Like, what would she say? She'd be like, okay, great. Like, do you want a cookie or something? Like... (laughs) What it, wouldn't, what it would indicate is I was still trying to earn her love, right? It would indicate that there is no relationship of love because I feel like I have to tell her all the things I do for her. Okay, so this is a guy who definitely doesn't love God and instead obedience for him, trying to follow the rules, is a, just a means to an end. It's a means to a secure existence. Uh, and the fact that he can produce a life that outwardly does look pretty good makes him a jerk. He can't have compassion on the people who fall short of his standard. He thinks God's love is earned through lots of hard work and dedication. Uh, And, you know, if you look, if you're like him, if you look to external performance for your righteousness, you will be a jerk. You just necessarily must be a jerk if you live this way. Because if all it takes is to work hard and get stuff right, then people who don't do as well as you must necessarily be beneath you. Okay? Right? Like, if if all all you got to do is work hard for God... Uh, And I'm working harder than you, then you're beneath me. And I can treat you with contempt. Uh, And it works the other way, too. Like, if you tend to be a jerk, for instance, toward people with different views than you, then what that indicates about your heart is you think God loves you because of your views. I got the right views. That's why God loves me. Uh, You know, if you think, like, uh, you tend to look down on people that don't work as hard as you, what it indicates about your heart is you actually think God loves you because of the work you put in. Uh, If you ever look down on anyone, it means that you're still earning your righteousness. It means that you're like the Pharisee, which is convicting. Uh, The Pharisee shows us that you can be doing all the right external things and actually be living a life that is offensive to God. I heard a story recently about a pastor and there was a man in his church who was living what appeared to be a very exemplary life. It was in the deep south, Alabama, I believe. And uh, this man it was a white man, and he had a, his family had adopted, in addition to their own biological children, uh, two African-American children. And so they had this wonderful family, and everything just looked really great, and he was doing everything right. And one Sunday in church, the pastor saw this man weeping in the front row. And he's, after the service, the pastor said, you know, like, what... What's going on? And the man said, "I realized that I've been doing all these things because of the way it makes people look at me and the way I, make, I feel like God will feel about. So, like, I adopted these kids not because I'm not out of love, but because I wanted God to be impressed with me. And other, I like the looks I get when people are impressed with me. That it's all it's offensive to God. Like, I did it for the wrong reason." And he was convicted in that moment. Um, It's offensive to God when you do the right things if they're for the wrong reason. If you're like this guy trying to earn... I mean, it should be offensive to my wife if I do things to get her to love me. And God is the same way. Um, He cares about your heart. He wants you. He loves you. Even if you could do enough to make God satisfied with you, how could you ever know that it was enough? Like... How could you ever know that you finally met the standard? Uh, So I want to ask you, what is it for you? You know, what is the way that you seek to create your own righteousness? Uh, Maybe it's, you know, I'll be really, I'll just really be an acceptable person if I have a secure job and my resume is good. Or if I'm smart or if I've got impressive stories to tell. Or I'll be just, I'll really matter if I'm productive and I can show that I'm productive. Or I'll really matter if I've got a romantic relationship. Or I'll really matter if I can avoid big moral failures and embarrassment and just live a clean life. Uh, I want to suggest to you that it will not work. Like, you will never come to the point where you matter. Uh, it just it will make you miserable and it will make you a jerk. Okay, so how can so if you can't get the righteousness, then what we all want by doing, how can you get it? How can you not be a jerk? How can you live life the way it's meant to be lived? How can you be free? Uh, and so I want to look now at the right way to get the righteousness from this parable, and we see it in the tax collector. Uh, it says the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, "God be merciful to me, a sinner." Um, like I said before, a tax collector would just be someone that no one expected to be righteous. Tax collectors uh, were Jewish men, Jewish men that worked for Rome, collecting taxes of Israel. And the way they made their money was to take more than they were required to take, which was essentially stealing from their own people in service to the dominant empire. Uh, and they were just known to be scum. So this is a guy that no one, you know, if you lived in this time and you heard this parable, you'd be like, that guy's definitely not righteous. And but how does he pray in his prayer he's honest he's humble uh, he knows he'll never be enough for god nothing he d- does will ever be enough. he's got no positives all he has is negatives and the parable says he goes home justified which means he goes home made righteous and what the parable points to is the big idea in the whole Bible, that you can try to make yourself righteous on your own, which is like scrubbing a window with a dirty towel. It's a lot of work and it doesn't get anything done. Or you can give up on yourself like this tax collector in the parable and let God himself make you righteous. And, you know, maybe you're here tonight and if you're honest, you feel like a failure. I know I've felt that way a lot. Just like, look at my life nothing is really going great Um, i've made a lot of mistakes i've kind of made a mess of my life in many ways there's relationships that are messed up and a lot of it's my fault and what i want to say to you tonight is that the good news of the gospel the good news that jesus is about is that he's exclusively for failures jesus is exclusively for failures so if you're a failure you're in the right room you're reading the right passage of the bible Uh, And the way it works is through what's called justification, being made righteous. And the way it happens, where Jesus is headed in this parable is to go die. And a lot of us have heard, you know, Christianity is known uh, to be a religion where Jesus dies for our sins, right? You hear that a lot. It's commonly known. And he dies to forgive our sins. And that is part of why he dies. Uh, it's a big deal. Jesus dies so that our sins can be forgiven. Uh, he dies in our place. Uh, he, is the, he is the one who never committed any sin, and so he can bear the sin of God's people uh, as he's put to death on the cross. But the other part of the cross, which you cannot miss, is that not only is Jesus taking on our sin on the cross, which without that we would have no hope either, but on the cross, Jesus' righteousness Becomes ours. Um, Jesus is the righteous one. Jesus is the one that you can look for flaws in. You could spend your whole existence looking for flaws in Jesus and you wouldn't be able to find them. You know, like righteousness, think of it like, a, you know, turning in your a resume and, you know, you've got just like the perfect resume. Jesus had it before. God himself, before God the Father, he had, there was nothing you could say about Jesus that was the remotest hint of a flaw. And what happens on the cross is that Jesus hands us his resume. You know, what's on your resume? Imagine if your life resume was just printed out, all the bad and the good. Would you want to hand it in to the creator of the universe? Um, Instead, The good news that Jesus has come to bring is that you can hand in Jesus's resume instead. For those that belong to Jesus, for those who have put their faith in Jesus, his resume is your resume. Tonight, like it's yours. You know what's on Jesus's resume? Uh, Prayed all the time. Knew the Bible inside and out. Fed the 5,000. Loved people perfectly. And the good news of the gospel is that can be your resume. That can be your story by faith. Even now, wouldn't it be great to know that no one can poke any holes in you. No one, there's no, you're eternally secure. There's no way you can lose it. It's full and it's final. Uh, how would it change you to have Jesus's righteousness to hand in his resume instead of yours? Um, I, shared with a couple of you that last year, COVID Christmas, so last Christmas, you know, it had been a tough year, right? 2020 was kind of hard for many people. Uh, And in my family, we didn't go out a lot and do like all the fun things we usually do. And so we were looking for fun things to do around the holidays and our town, Coventry, one town over had a Christmas lights contest sounds awesome. Right. Um, and, (laughs) but we have little kids. And so we were like, yeah, like let's, let's go check out the Christmas lights contest. So there were like a a dozen or so houses in our town that had entered and they decorated their houses really nice. And, uh, and so we're, we're, we're like, we're going to drive around and see all the houses and we're going to vote in in the contest. And, and so there was one house, it's on Brigham Tavern road, which is just off 44. If you're heading West from campus, you could go there. And, uh, their house looked like Disneyland. Like they had a they have a beautiful yard. It's like this terraced yard. It's amazing. And I don't know if they hired professionals or what, but like this place was a magical wonderland of lights. Like we went multiple times. It was amazing. And that was our first stop on the uh light tour and after that, everything else looked like kind of crappy on Like did nothing looked. there were some that were like pretty good, like clearly you put in a lot of work, but it's not like that guy, you know, whoever those people are. Some were like not great at all. And it was just like, okay. And, and so we did the light tour and, and then a few days later, I can remember sitting at breakfast with my family and we were, and my daughter Margot said like, we need to see who won the light contest. And we like looked up the results on the internet and it was like first place. Some house we didn't recognize. Second place, some house we didn't recognize. Third place, some house we didn't recognize. And we were like, what the heck? Like, and then there was an asterisk and we looked, follow the asterisk and it says in parentheses, the house on Brigham Tavern Road withdrew from the contest. Okay, why would they do that? because they have no need to win a contest. Like their lights make everyone else look like two-year-olds did the lights, okay? They have no need to win a contest. And so they withdrew completely, okay? I want want you to imagine that this year at Christmas, they show up in your town and say, we're gonna do our light display in your house and they're gonna have a contest in your town and you obviously win, right? Like, would you feel any need to self-promote? Like if someone was like, Your lights are awesome. Would you be like, yeah, I did it all. Like, it was awesome. Like, I'm (laughs) awesome. No, you would be like, it was a gift, right? I didn't earn, like, and would you feel any need to win a contest if those were your lights? And the answer is obviously no, because they're so much better than everyone else's. okay? If you've been justified by Christ through faith, other people can win. At life, like you don't need to get noticed at all, like you have no need for that because you have His righteousness. Uh, it doesn't have to be you who gets the accolades, it doesn't have to get, be you who has the resume, it doesn't have to be you who gets the job or gets the whatever because you've already won everything in Christ. You've already won everything, you don't need to notice status at all anymore because it's not pertinent to anything anymore if you have the righteousness of Christ. And what that does is it turns contempt into compassion. You know, whether your life looks good or not, like if your life looks good, you know, it's not like me who does anything. It's the righteousness of Christ that matters. And I can can show compassion to others. Uh, I can bring people to the cross, which is where I found my righteousness. The only thing in the end that matters then is the cross. Um, that's where the righteousness comes from, and that's where we get set free. So let me pray tonight uh, that that would be the case in our lives. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the righteousness of Christ. We need it so much. Uh, if we're honest, we just mess this up so badly, and there's all these ways that we live that are offensive to you. Uh, the good things we do, some of them, and the bad things we do and we thank you that you've come uh that you've provided a solution so that we can be righteous so that we can be free so that we can ultimately love so we can stop thinking about where we stand and start living for the good of others would you change our hearts in these ways we pray would you set us free to love Uh, it's in christ's name i pray amen